Oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. Well, Paul Goodman has overthrown the Monkey King and become the ruler of the Jungle Kingdom. Bit of good news there. Uh, but it's going to take him just one more week to make his way back to his microphone in Melbourne. So we have another treat for you. This is a pilot for a potential side podcast that we might end up running. The format pitches the Pauls against each other before a panel of judges, in this instance a group of our dear dear friends, in a game that I can only describe as genuinely anxiety inducing. Sorry about the iffy audio levels everyone, we only had two mics for the five people involved, and one of them was a massive pervert. See if you can guess which one, I think you'll be very pleasantly surprised. Enjoy! Hello, and welcome to the podcast that pitches two uncannily similar cinematic efforts against each other in film tool combat. Today on the panel of judges, we have Nell and Dave, and I'm the forewoman and host, Jen. We are here to adjudicate the case of Armageddon versus Deep Impact, two 1998 disaster movies about a comet heading for Earth. Our advocates will defend their appointed movies over five rounds before the panel chooses a victor. Defending Armageddon is... Paul. Hello. Defending Deep Impact is... Paul. I disagree, (laughs) but yes. We start with opening statements. Hello, I'm Paul Salt. I'm Defence Counsel for Deep Impact. And may I just start by saying how wonderful you all look this morning. I mean, (laughs) what what are you doing with your hair? It's it's, it's extraordinary. Let's get down to it. There will be a time in the near future where I sit before a panel very much like this one, though probably not as attractive. (laughs) And I shall be asked to defend a movie that I don't believe in. A movie that I've been allocated by the the roll of a coin or the flip of a dice. Today is not that day. (laughs) Me and my learned colleague, Kate, reached a consensus almost immediately before having even rewatched the films. How? Because my friend believes that there is good Michael Bay. Before he's spoiled. Somewhere around Transformers 2. I do not. I believe that Michael Bay is Michael Bay is Michael Bay. And I knew that rewatching Armageddon, I would find all the trappings of a Bay joint. Flat characters incomprehensible plot, incomprehensible action. The very broadest of condescending humour. So I looked for option two. And what did I find there? Why, the only thing that I could reasonably ask. Serious consideration of the premise. An exploration of that premise. See, there's a comet heading for this planet, and it's going to destroy everything. Everyone you've ever known, everything you've ever loved. How would that affect your life? Would fiery comets chase you down the street, blowing things up? No. You'd watch the news, horrified, as mankind's last-ditch attempts to save itself failed, one by one. There's a wonderful, vicarious tragedy porn to those speeches that the president gives. How would you feel? The leader of the free world telling the world that it is about to end. How would that hit you? There's not enough room for everyone to be saved. And the movie gives you enough human characters to really feel that sense of dread and loss and despair. How would you spend that last day? That last hour? Michael Bay doesn't care. It's not important to him. Explosions in space. Flashing lights. Ludicrous editing. Aerosmith. He's using every dull instrument in his toolbox to try and get you to feel something. But Deep Impact knows that its apocalyptic premise 
is that it's most effective when it's as real as losing the person sat next to you. Don't reward the gaudy, the pandering, the flashing lights of a snake oil salesman. We all know how they flash. Look to a human drama about real people caught up in the end of the world. Thank you for your time. So I've made notes on all of your appearances, and uh, <laughs> this is where you can improve. <laughs> oh, the opposite of pandering. Yeah. I like where it's going. Fuck yeah. all of you, I <laughs> And now we shall hear from the other Paul. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Listeners at home, Armageddon is a tale of humanity, and I defend it with pride. Come the end of the movie, and the credit sequence of the wedding, I cried. I shed a tear. Now, over the course of this session, my learned friend is going to be throwing around a few words in an attempt to discredit Michael Bay's Armageddon. Words like obnoxious, condescending, unpleasant, unfunny, maybe even Bayhem in general, whilst at the same time trying to convince you that anything happens in Deep Impact. (laughs) But I would like to introduce to you another concept, and that concept is bias. Bias is the unreasonable bias towards all of Michael Bay's oeuvre, judging each individual film on the merit of his career as a whole. Bias is a sickness that has precluded my learned friend from seeing the trees for the wood. Enlightened members of the jury, would you pass verdict on a defendant for a past or unrelated crime? Because this is what my learned friend is asking you to do. Take it from me, I hope more than anyone that Michael Bay is judged and sentenced for his crimes. But Armageddon is not one that warrants that. Armageddon is a film about humanity and the relationships we take for granted, and it has more beauty in its mini-asteroids than Deep Impact could muster in an entire rock the size of Belgium. On the other hand, I will not be embellishing the faults of Deep Impact because they are there to see for anyone who can bear to look. It is the dullest dud, a gateau of a film that has had all the cream sucked out of it by director Mimi Leder. But over the course of this session, I'll tell no lie. I will say nothing that isn't there to see with your own eyes, or in the case of Deep Impact, what isn't. I would then ask you not to let yourself be led by his fancy words, nor the criticisms he has of Michael Bay, his bias, but to judge Armageddon on its strengths, which are exactly what Deep Impact lacks. Thank you. The first category I would like to hear the defendants speak on is characters and performances. If the first Paul would like to take the floor. Thank you. Thank you, Your Majesty. <laughs> yes, that's my title. <laughs> my colleague used a word there that was very interesting to me. Humanity. The humanity of Armageddon's characters. Humanity of characters like the astronomer who discovered the asteroid and wanted to name it after his wife because she was a big, life-sucking monster like the asteroid was. Wonderful humanity. Humanity like the characters in the opening credit sequence. After all, the characters that our astronauts are bravely going to rescue. Characters like the offensive Asian stereotype who just wanted to go (laughs) shopping, or the offensive fat guy stereotype who gets hit by an asteroid, but luckily his cute dog survives. And that's what we really care about, right, Michael Bay? The dog. Because who the fuck could care about these humans? (laughs) There's another important word here, and it's one that I really hope Michael Bay doesn't use, because if Michael Bay is trying to do this, what a horrifying world he must live in. The world is naturalism. Director Mimi Leader doesn't present simplified cliches that can instantly be recognised and categorised. Love interest. Ben Affleck. No interest in such categorizations. Instead we have people. People like Leo Biederman, 
played by Elijah Wood. A young boy who discovers a deadly secret that threatens everything he knows. A boy who has to figure out the right thing to do when the whole world has gone wrong. How about Sarah Hotchner, played by Lily Sobieski? A young girl who has to choose between abandoning her family or dying with them. That scene where she's told that her parents can't go with them genuinely brought a tear to my eye. And another one later, when she is convinced that to uh, leave her parents behind just in order to save her little brother's life. Imagine that choice. Imagine her having to go through that. You don't have to. Lily Sobieski brought it to life for you. <laughs> okay, how about Taylor Leone? Elephant in the room. I know. Absolutely. A sleepy performance, perhaps. But you tell me that you watched that scene where she finally forgave her father and held him close and pathetically uttered the word daddy as the world ended around her. Tell me that did nothing for you. Aside from that, you have the reassuring presence of Robert Duvall, the tragic performance of Vanessa Redgrave, the scene where her daughter had to pick up her jewellery because she had committed suicide. Holy Christ, you can hardly accuse this of pandering. And of course, Morgan Freeman, the best president the world never had. Calm. Objection. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Overruled. <laughs> Calm and assured. He has incredible presence. This is an emotional oh. film and is driven by quiet, relatable performances. Armageddon uses stock characters, offensive stereotypes, and an offensive use of Bruce Willis. He's completely robbed of his charm at a time when he was at the height of his powers, cast into a John Wayne role when he was always John McClane. It's the beginning of the end for him. He never recovered. Many people never recovered. When was Steve Buscemi ever the same? Never is the answer. In a word, because I forgot to write a closing statement, <laughs> I would say... That the characters and performances of Deep Impact are more subdued, but a lot more real. Thank you. Mm. Mm. I mean, he asked if we felt anything for Tia Leone saying, Daddy. I laughed. I vomit. You said underutilised actors in Armageddon. What did Deep Impact do with Richard Schiff? Richard With Schiff. West Wing's Richard Schiff. Richard he Schiff. Was Leo's yeah, dad. Name? Yes. Oh, right. Now, which one's Leo? <laughs> <laughs> Leo's he was dad. Okay, yeah, yeah. He was Ladies and yes. gentlemen of the jury, Richard Schiff was not Richard Schiff yet. All he had done is play the lawyer in Seven. And I'll admit um, he was good as the slimy evil lawyer, but he was equally as good as the slimy evil dad. He wasn't even evil. He wasn't he was evil just, and he wasn't slimy and he had like two words. He had two words because he wasn't Richard Schiff yet. He was, he was Richard Schiff. He was, not, he he was never Richard Schiff. Be Richard Schiff. <laughs> Very few people saw the potential of Richard Schiff. Only Aaron Sorkin came to that conclusion. And if Michael Bay had had Richard Schiff in his movie, he would have murdered him by a fat redneck. Well, let's talk about skinny Michael... Nope, skinny John Favreau then. Let us talk about skinny John Favreau. Director of Swingers, I believe, at that stage. And, and appearance in Swingers yes, at that stage. future director of Chef. Absolutely. Oh. The best film ever made. <laughs> um... He, he was underutilised to the extreme. He was used in the same way that ensemble casts will use little actors like that to humanise very small parts that they don't have the time to fully develop in order to get you to have an emotional connection to them. John Favreau didn't appear in much of the movie. He was one of the astronauts who died. He died very early on. Yes. And you couldn't even tell he had died. Oh, is that the went, guy that went out to space? And then 20 minutes later, like, Oh, yes. John Let's talk died. about movies oh, killing characters and not telegraphing he, that to the audience, we'll shall we? That, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's the guy that floats away. Yeah. Yes. Oh, he is the guy yeah, who floats like away and is later seen on the news. I'm still not sure which one that is. <laughs> 
the, he was at the party one, being a motor mouth. Round, big he's got square a head. head. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, yes. I know who that is. I say that <laughs> most of the astronauts were kind of indistinct. They were just fa- yes, people, people they were with just families. People with families. Yes. Generic, yeah. Yeah, I'm generic. Yeah. Yeah. We should feel bad for them because they have Australian a wife and kids. Mm. American heroes. And you did not, yes. sir? Yes. No, I did not. No. You are a monster, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I did like the old guy. Yeah. But yeah, like Robert Duvall. He's lovely. He has a tremendous presence, and he wanted to yeah. make sure that the little blind guy had heard of at least some Herman Melville before he died, because he's a sweet man. Yeah. Sadist. <laughs> <laughs> he had a chuckle with him. You can't see to run away. <laughs> I'm going to read to you. No, please. No, please. I'm in enough pain. <laughs> My colleague's complete disdain for Herman Melville will be put on the record. <laughs> um, um, uh, I- as, as for this president, then. He's overused. Mm. Oh. Over. <laughs> overused. He is so boring. I don't know if I've ever watched a film with that many speeches. I know. And the every speeches. single speech, I didn't care at all. And he was just, it was monotonous. was there four? Just, oh, there was about, yeah, I reckon there was about four. Four distinct. Addressing the media. Four distinct, the deteriorating speeches. No. Watching those speeches, I put myself in that place of watching them and thinking, where's the hope? No. Where is the bit where we talk about what we're going to do? Where and in the last speech, no in the last speech, exactly the same each time. Not yeah, there, he was time. wearing less and less smart clothing. Yeah. Indeed, oh, less clothing, oh, clothing, the clothing his and his talking became more casual as the film went on. Mm. Mm. Uh, Where is his charisma? Yeah, I wouldn't have felt zero. good. If he, I, was he was he was a president. He's not meant to be sort of chatty yes, Morgan is. Freeman. He's yes, the president he's of the United States. He needs to talk for the people to the people. And he does so, telling them that the world is going to end. But in such a boring manner. How would you like someone to tell you the world is coming to an end? Less Morgan Jesus Freeman. Christ, run, everyone! <laughs> no, just less more. Just maybe if he was on mm. 1.5 forward, like fast forward. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Just, yeah, pretty quicker just... at least. Yeah. <laughs> Make the film go faster. We you know could have done that. We could have put it on 1.5. Do... Yeah. And then we I can just fast forward it. But that's on us. That's only... us making it. It'd have only taken two hours to watch the film then instead of four. Yes. Mimi Lender chose not yes. to do that. <laughs> he was describing how only a million people in the entire United States are going to survive. Yeah, and I didn't feel it. I was like, meh. Sure. True, okay, true. it's probably for the best. <laughs> it's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> so Just that's your tweet. American audience, Excellent. If it meant no more Leo yeah. and no more Sarah, I would have been fine with that. True. I hated them both yes. so much. Oh, how yes. do you say that? Those <laughs> lovable kids. so annoying. How are they annoying? <laughs> because... What? They were like 12? Oh, and they had the creepiest romance thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. So creepy. Yeah, yeah it wasn't They right. looked the, so young. They, and they, they had married to, and they kept They kissing. had to marry. Yeah. They were no way in love. The wedding scene made me so uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. It was beautifully shot. The wedding was in order to keep her alive. It was in that sense only. Mm. And he's just trying to save Lily Sobieski. A, a goal we can all relate to. We've all tried. No. I've, ju- I've just remembered the scene in the school since we are talking about Elijah Wood fucking yes <laughs> as always where, as always where that boy from Veronica <laughs> Mars stands up oh my god everyone knows that famous people get sex and it didn't stop oh, there he yes. then just kept going like he got more he than did. one line where he was like he did. you are going to get sex you're going to have you sex going to have famous people sex. always get more sex now I don't know I don't know if mm. all of you have noticed that famous people get more sex uh, well, but I definitely Le- but, get more now I'm famous. But Mimi Leader, 
definitely noticed that. But and she put that observation in her film. Mm. Just again, mm. the most uncomfortable. That's a that, child. And it They're was like child. it was, and the clapping was really awful. Yes, yes, he will start fucking <laughs> <laughs> teenagers. They suck. It was the worst betrayal of teenage. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. These are not teenagers. I found the way in which their young love was trying to unfold under the enormous pressure of an asteroid heading towards the Earth. And of course they rush and accomplish certain goals ahead of when they should have. The, the asteroid necessitates it. And yes, it's unnatural. Even a little creepy. Because they are not allowed to be kids. They're not allowed to be kids. The world's coming to an end. And only Elijah Babyface Wood has a place in the shelter. Yeah. Unless they get married. And even then, Sobieski can't bring her family. And has to make this choice between staying alive being with Elijah Wood and staying with her family and she doesn't even think about it for a second her family wins Richard Schiff wins and she stays until later on they force her to go in order to save the brother I did like that yeah I did like that bit that bit was like yeah that would be horrible it would be that was the one bit where she actually did some sort of acting She's a kid, but I can still... No, she didn't get better. She did her. not get better as an actress as she no. aged. Okay, great. No, that is irrelevant. I would ask everyone to strike the Wicker Man from the record. <laughs> <laughs> did like that Taylor Leone didn't have to have a love interest. That's sure she didn't. Like, you, you could have mm. a woman doing a job and being cool at it mm. and also not have a love, love interest, but she did have to have daddy issues. Yeah. Instead. <laughs> she did have daddy issues, yeah. She did. Major daddy issues. Yeah. But what like, daddy she issues did she like... had? She had, look, look at Vanessa Redgrave's character who was left in this sort of horrible situation. I think we've all experienced that where we see our parents not quite living the life that we would hope that they would get to live. Mm. And it's a really emotional thing. The idea that Redgrave, you know, was putting on a brave face, but was sort of just gone underneath. I did kind of like Redgrave. Is that mm. her name? Yeah. yeah. Vanessa Redgrave. Mm. Vanessa Redgrave. She gives a sterling performance. I like to just see her smoke and like, <laughs> insult people for the entire film. I do think it's rather unfortunate that Deep Impact had two Taylor and Morgan Freeman talking so much. Mm. Because they're both... It wasn't great. You know what? I will say that they underused the real strengths of this film. Robert Duvall's character. Yeah. Vanessa Redgrave's character. Yeah. They Richard had... Schiff. Richard Schiff, of course. They had Richard strong Schiff actors in here. And yeah, mm. maybe they focused on the wrong place. They fought mm. the spunky young investigative journalist and the young first black president of the United States would be the key places to focus on. Yeah. Key decisions for the plot. And maybe it didn't work out and there were more interesting characters elsewhere. But the point is, there are strengths within this film sort of teeming to get into the foreground and maybe your real frustration comes from wanting to see more of some of the other stuff good man i'd like to thank my learned friend for his impassioned defense of the deep impact characters i have to inform him that he was uh, not only misinformed about the timeline of uh, when i lost interest in michael bay uh, transformers 2 was very very generous downplaying of my uh, hatred for Michael Bay. It pretty much cuts off after Armageddon. Um, <laughs> similarly, he has mistimed uh, the, the Bruce island. Willis time. Uh, I've since gone back to watch The Island, and uh, I do accept that The Island is also horseshit. Do you concede that for a good decade or so after The Island, you defended it as being a good movie? Um, Your Honour, I don't see how this is relevant to yes. the proceedings. <laughs> Um, Watch yourself, Catherine. I will also, I will also uh, go on to explain uh, where I stand on the Bruce Willis spectrum of uh, emoting and, and feeling. But uh, more of that later. I will also accept that Taylor Leone's resolution with her father at the end of Deep Impact was emotional. My learned friend will also tell you that the characters in Armageddon are unlikable or paper thin or unpleasant or obnoxious. But consider this. Fair. Bay versus 
Roland Emmerich light. In Armageddon, the crew is properly introduced roughly 15 minutes into the film. Each of them is picked up in a location that tells us, albeit heavy-handedly, about them. <laughs> one guy is a cowboy outlaw type. One is a super genius. One has no relationship with his ex-wife or son. One is a drunk used to getting in trouble with the law. These scenes continue later, just before they head into space, where a lot of these things are fleshed out, particularly the son and the ex-wife story. Also, Steve Buscemi falls in love with a stripper, as we all have. <laughs> Yes, Michael Bay is all loud, all everything, all mayhem. But the montage where we get to know these roughnecks, it may have annoyed my learned friend, but we learnt more about each of them in this one segment than we did about any of the characters in Deep Impact before it was too late. Ben Affleck was of uh, Goodwill Hunting era smart arsery, with a supporting cast of Owen Wilson, William Fickner, Steve Buscemi, Peter Stormare, Liv Tyler, Billy Bob Thornton, Jason Isaacs in his first ever non-terrifying role, Michael Clark yes. Duncan... <laughs> Overruled. <laughs> <laughs> and Udo Kier as the military therapist psychoanalyzing the troop. What a cast. What an Udo Kier. What about the astronauts in Deep Impact? Robert Duval and the astronauts are up in space before we even know anything about them. With the exception of a very touching scene between Robert Duval and the blinded astronaut, I will allow, we're told their life stories quite helpfully just before they sacrifice themselves. Mm. Just enough time to build a real connection with another human being, eh? Then there's the dynamic of the team. Willis is the protective father and figure of authority who expects obedience. Affleck, the young upstart, in love with the boss's daughter and confident in his own abilities. Willis is too stubborn to accept Affleck's talent and Affleck is too stupid to know how to act with diplomacy. This comes to a head in a training simulation at NASA where Affleck messes up and threatens the crew's reputation. But Affleck sticks to his guns and there is a huge payoff later as Affleck not only comes through with the second drill, but pushes the drill to the required depth and the machine doesn't break. So when Willis sacrifices himself to save Affleck and send him home to, the, to live Tyler, he's showing that he has earned his respect and the chance to live. And as Affleck is sent back up the elevator pod by Willis, another scene during which I shed a tear, <laughs> screaming with grief at the sacrifice of this honorable, honorable man, so we the audience earn the deep emotional payoff. Then we come to Deep Impact. Who are the characters? As we lurch between them in the style of every Roland Emmerich movie to date, think Day After Tomorrow, 2012. What do we know about any of them, really? Morgan Freeman is president and wishes there wasn't going to be an end of the world. Also, he's addicted to ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> Elijah Woods found the star and he loves Lily Sobieski, but only because he says as much. Romantic interest? I'd have killed for some interest. The chemistry between them is a failed experiment. Now, my learned friend may have said that this was the beginning of the end for Bruce Willis, but for me, he was his old, energetic, smart-talking, wry, sarcastic self. He's one of the few actors whom Bayhem actually suits. He's a great source of comedic relief and a strong character to hand your film hat on. But then we come to Taya Leone. Why Mimi Leda chose her for the role of Anchorwoman, the film's storyteller. Let us sink in. The person we had to go back to whenever the plot needed moving on. I couldn't tell you why Mimi Leda chose that. I'm not Mimi Leda. But she did, and so we were forced to watch time and time again as Miss Leone slumped to one side like she'd swallowed poison and try to wrap her lips around the vowels coming out of them. <laughs> Whatever your criticisms of Bruce Willis in later life, he's not showing it here. And he wipes the floor with Taya Leone. On to human moments, because I'm sure my learned friend is itching to tell you more about how Armageddon has none of them. But the quiet moments between Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck are genuinely intimate. Ben Banana Affleck. <laughs> Willis and Tyler as father and daughter ooze discord. And here's the masterstroke. 
the scenes where these characters are presented with a horror of the apocalypse event that is the asteroid smashing into Earth, they're sober. There are no quips from the main characters, just as in real life. They swallow the lumps in their throats, they stare into the distance as they try to comprehend the news, and it wipes the slate clean emotionally. Where Willis and Affleck had conflict, it's swept aside. The same for Willis and Tyler. So it goes at the end of the world. When the end of the film is imminent, they're closer and even talk proudly of each other. This is the real human impact of the threat, and that is the true worth of the characters of Armageddon. Something interesting that I've been picking up on mm-hmm. is the Pauls have the sister podcast, One Good Thing. Where, yes, they do. Where they have taken apart actors such as Ben Affleck in Geely and Tia Leone in Spanglish. And here they are defending them as if that never happened. Well, the thing about One Good Thing, as, as I think we've shown, is that we judge it on a film-by-film basis. We don't we don't judge Ben Affleck Ben Affleck by I can never say Ben Affleck's so name, which is a real problem. I should have defended Deep Impact with his easy <laughs> pronounceable Affleck. mouth sounds. Banana Affleck. Banana Affleck is much easier actually. Mm. Baffleck. Yeah. We don't judge Baffleck by Gili. We judge Ben Baffleck. Ben Baffleck. Ben Baffleck. <laughs> we judge Ben Baffleck by Ben Baffleck. If I were to watch a Taylor film that I enjoyed. <laughs> I would be the first to hold up my hands. And I think in OGT we've shown, and I speak for myself and my learned friend, in the case of, uh, I refer you to the case of the uh, People versus Gem and the Holograms. <laughs> the People versus Fant Forstick. Um, and the People versus, what was the most recent one? Pretty sure there was another. <laughs> <laughs> At least they were characters. They I were will characters, give them that. But they were all terrible, terrible Terrible people. human beings. I mm. mean, when they died, it was... Oh yeah, I mean, does, I'm not sure. If this might come up later. I have a problem with. I have a missing character. Yeah, there's a character who died, and I can't for the life no, of me. Unidentifiable. I can't. I can't tell you his name. Mm-hmm. I managed oh, to identify him. him though, right? I managed to identify him by look um, of of the group. He was the one. He was the short, tan guy with short brown hair. He didn't have. He didn't say much, and he wasn't that right. well introduced. He so was that, probably that, the that, one that, character. That doesn't bode well for characters in that we don't know. No, who wait. So wait, which no. group out of the miners? Group? Out of the miners, yeah. Right. I don't, oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember him. him. Yes, yeah. no, I, I, I will be the first to allow that a couple of the characters were mm. completely expendable. Completely, mm. um, which makes yeah. you, I mean, I did, I do enjoy playing the game of going, so who's going to die? Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess you, 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 wrong. you. And it's all, well, it's always the fat guy. Yeah. That one was obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because all you know, the most generic like... looking ones who don't have any lines. Yeah. Might I say in Michael Bay's favour, he allowed Michael Clark Duncan to survive. Which one's that? The black guy. The, the very muscular That's, big man. That, was, that is true. The entire character, the muscular big man. <laughs> Look, he's Bruce Willis' bodyguard, right? He was, was. A big, he was a big, lovable roughneck bear. Yeah, like I really enjoyed his character. I'm not gonna lie. I yeah, no, me too. Great. And I think this is a, this is a lot of um, what Michael Bay does, and it doesn't work for us. It doesn't fool us for a lot of uh, for any of the films. Really, he he gets big name actors in um, that you really wish hadn't been in any of the films, like John Turturro, Francis <laughs> McDormand, um, yeah. Steve, Steve Buscemi, and, and so on. It's just it's just what he does. In this, there's a there's a dynamic there that is, whilst the characters themselves can be unpleasant or obnoxious, um, there are it's it's enough to keep the dynamic and the plot moving. And yes, we do lose a couple of people that we can't name, um, <laughs> as we do in Deep Impact. And it really, yes, I mean, so yeah, I, I think I couldn't, I couldn't name anyone in Deep Impact. And I, and I oh can't, God, no. I can't no, defend. I can't even remember half yeah. the people on that. No, I mean, no, yeah. No. So I, I can't defend that, but I think that it's sort of it's equalised by by the 
opposing film. How did you feel about Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck? Look, <laughs> I feel like go on. I know, like I don't ever feel anything good about Ben Affleck usually. Yeah, it's I quite difficult. Films, However, what films is he good in? Um, Goodwill Hunting, uh, <laughs> but only because of Matt Damon. The right. Town, <laughs> Town, Goodwill Hunting. I've not seen the Town. Argo. Oh, the Town, yeah, seen Fargo. yeah. No Argo, not Fargo. <laughs> Fargo is very good. Yeah. But, um, Steve Buscemi was good in Fargo. <laughs> okay, he was fantastic. Actually, no. I think just Steve Buscemi is just good. Yeah. in everything. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. like his character much in no. this, but I do love Steve Buscemi. We're getting yes. off topic. Yes. Let's okay, no, love it. Love it. Liv okay. Tyler and Ben were. <laughs> Keep I talking mean... about Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Let's get off onto good things. Yeah. No, no, it, it. I didn't care. I didn't like. I didn't want them to be together. I didn't care if they got together. If he died in space, mm-hmm. Liv Tyler's sad face all the time. Like, oh, but I love him so. I didn't. We just again, no, we got yeah. told that they loved each other, much the same oh, as God, yeah. Yeah. We didn't see mm-hmm. it. We just saw Zero them chemistry in bed them. together once, and then well, did they have sex in the back of a rocket at one point? That was oh yeah, and there was Bruce. Bruce Willis was like watching them have sex in the back of that rocket. Yeah. Like, mm. well, I guess That's, it's okay. Then. I guess my daughter's hot. <laughs> Bruce yeah. Willis asked for that. That wasn't Michael Bay's fault. <laughs> Um, can I direct you to the animal cracker scene where even though the dialogue in, in that was, was kind of embarrassing when was the last time you ever stuck your head around a corner and watched two people having an intimate moment and didn't feel sick to your stomach about what they were That's saying to true. each other yeah. really true I actually yeah. didn't find that that was like the one scene in their relationship I found kind of cute mm. because yeah. that whole thing about just lying there and playing with crackers with I crackers. mean who doesn't play every day with crackers with... on their lover's body yeah. Yeah. I mean if it's an animal shaped one you're just gonna yeah <laughs> um, I did not enjoy Liv Tyler's relationship with her dad because that entire first scene where they're talking to each other it's like she just was seemed like someone had said be angry her character was so like in, it, she could have been, I think maybe they just miscast her yeah. she could have been so much her one pitch of voice works well when she's playing an elf absolutely yeah, that's true <laughs> yes it's perfect for that but her very when, soft yeah. kind of yeah um, but I don't know again like she was just love interest and daddy issues girl yeah so a lot of daddy issues in both these films yeah, but That's what, what were there any other women in this film? Uh-huh. Yeah, no. Were there any other? There was one in space whose name I was don't there? remember. Yeah. She was the pilot. She was the pilot. Did yeah. she die or live? Like... She lived. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, Didn't but she, she looked... Hey, yeah. oh, we're also forgetting the stripper Steve Buscemi fell in love with. Oh, yeah. Yes. So they've got some great, wonderful, really fleshed out, wonderful women. Yes. Yeah. Michael Bay really loves his women. I did want to. I did admittedly want to hear more about the female um, space pilot. Yes. I thought she was excellent. Um, she was very good. Obviously, it goes without saying that the film failed the Bechdel test, but um, I think Liv Tyler played a very good um, fulcrum for Ben Affleck and, and Bruce Willis with the both both of them in space. There was the emotional that was the emotional tie to Earth. They were both vying vying for a love, and I think even if everything seems a little heavy handed about the way it was presented and, and sort of pushed on us, that the resolution at, at the end, the way death wipes the slate clean, I think is a big uh, thing to consider. Okay. Paul, your mm-hmm. two-minute rebuttal starts now. So we learn about we learn certain traits from the introduction scenes of these characters. What do these traits actually do? Steve Buscemi's a super genius, fantastic. He goes insane almost instantly and doesn't do anything particularly clever for the rest of the movie. We get a chance to see the um, father-son thing uh, fleshed out. The da- the dad space pilot, his name I can't remember. Um, do we? There were three scenes. There's the scene where he goes and says, "Oh, I think you'll be proud of me," and then there's the scene where she's like, "That." It's not a salesman. It's your dad. And then there's the scene where it's like, oh, he died. <laughs> Sorry. 
That's that's the entirety of that arc. Objection, he did yeah. not die. He did not die. No, he comes back. That's right. I forgot that mm. he didn't die. Please forgive all me. Was forgiven. And the little kid has the plane. Because of course all he says that time. great line when he comes back to Earth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you've already had a go at the romantic interest, but yeah, Liv Tyler really is just a, a flat line throughout the entire thing. But um, Willis, okay, Willis, this is the real meat. Um, Willis still being charismatic? I got nothing off of him, except for when he seemed happiest, which was hitting golf balls at Greenpeace. He really seemed to enjoy <laughs> yes. that moment in his character's arc. I'll give that to him and to Michael Bay. This was clearly something they were passionate mm. about. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that all I remember of Willis is just him on the monitor sleepily saying goodbye to his daughter I'm gonna be proud of you Grace and it's just I just that's all I remember of him and occasionally going oh when an explosion happens um, <laughs> meanwhile Jason Isaacs who yes is always great he, I remember him appearing on the Jet Graham Norton show and talking about how fucking surreal it was to work for Michael Bay and how after doing something Bay would say wait w- what was that you were just doing and he was saying I was acting and he was like oh <laughs> like an alien an alien concept to him and eventually asked him to make his role more stock or cartoonish that is all I shall say on the subject of characters thank you very much you had four seconds to spare oh. shit now on the topic of direction please take the floor Mr. Justice Salt thank you my liege um <laughs> correct I'm gonna run out of these real fast <laughs> Deep Impact's direction is slow We'll get that out of the way. It is brooding and it is thoughtful. Slower in pace, takes its time with the story. But there is beautiful cinematography throughout and very restrained editing, allowing the action to play out on screen. Also, you can actually see what's happening. I like that in a movie. I like to be able to see the things that are happening. The scene in Armageddon where the space station, the Russian space station starts to fly apart was a nightmare. A flashy, poorly edited nightmare. Even Michael Bay felt the need to apologize in an interview to the Miami Herald for the editing in Armageddon, saying he was rushed, he didn't know what he was doing, and that he wishes he had had more time to put it together better, although later films suggest that that wouldn't have gone so great. (laughs) And what he said then was, still, the movie did well, and that's the main thing. That was the main thing to Michael Bay, that it did well. Mimi Leader builds her action up to the big disaster scenes, but then when they come, she doesn't focus on buildings flying apart or cars being chased down streets or various other things like that. She focuses on the emotional weight of those sequences and the characters that she has focused on getting caught up in them. Why show a shower of comets crashing into the earth if you can't pick out the characters that those comets affect? Oh, Paris is gone. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just a big fat Samoan guy. Emotional impact is the key. And most of Armageddon takes place on a big soundstage that doesn't look like or feel like space. Early on, they ride off the fact that there's not going to be any issues with gravity. You can just walk about normally. Consequently, there's just no feeling of weirdness or otherworldliness when they're on this asteroid. They just look like they're on a soundstage. It may also help to have a female director, although it really shouldn't, to ensure that the female characters are shot like actual people. Uh, Liv Tyler was filmed like a glamour magazine model at every opportunity, especially the cracker sequence. Taya Leone is actually filmed like a person. Maybe a person you find boring, but a human being nevertheless. Uh, Michael Bay is just literally the worst. Flashing lights, lots of smoke, mind-destroying editing. Most of the movie is actually just shaky close-ups of someone's face. And I can't help but imagine behind the scenes with Ben Aff- with Ben Affleck, um, <laughs> with a camera in his face, as Michael Bay just excitedly jiggles the camera around <laughs> behind and smoke is shot at him and sweat and glisten. And it just feels so terribly exploitative. Mimi Leader just takes some time in order to try and really show some weight to these 
events. And as for the sort of Roland Emmerich style spanning around the place, it shows the people that this is going to affect. By just sticking with these astronauts and Liv Tyler, what are they saving the world for? It seems to be full of annoying cliches. Lita cho- chooses to split her time, maybe to mi- to mi- um, minimalizing the effect of those um, strands, but nevertheless decides that in order to tell this story, you need to see some more of the actual people that the story affects. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do agree that I think having a female director, unfortunately, she picked her lead poorly. Yeah. But maybe she didn't pick it. Good, lead as well. And has, <laughs> a good point. Do you know what? Michael Sorry. Bay just. One Tyler ex- is just an object. One extra point yeah. on casting is that, yes, uh, Armageddon could afford a much bigger cast. They could afford all the Steve Buscemi they needed. Um, this movie worked <laughs> with a much, much smaller budget, and maybe she received pre- studio pressure to put some named stars in those lead roles, which, unfortunately, by the time of the mid-90s, I do believe mm. Leone was somewhat well-known in the uh, indie movie was, circuit. Indeed. Yeah, yes. And she kept getting work. Yes. <laughs> I don't have that many objections. I, I thought the directing was fine. So, I mean, it was very... It was slow. competent. Slow. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. I'd say it was slow competent. For a disaster film. Uh, yeah. Took a long time to feel like a disaster. I mean, that's yeah, the thing, though. At least though. you had it the did. meteor, Sharon. Yeah. Here's oh, the... I'm getting these mixed up now. <laughs> <laughs> An armour impact. Armour impact. Armour impact. It did, I mean, yeah. and, but then when it did hit... I don't know. Yeah, it kind of it took a while to. I, for the first half, I was wondering where the panic was. Mm. Like, why is yes. no one panicking? We've there got the president no, looking I a know. bit <laughs> vaguely unnerved. Unnerved. Mm. Yeah. But mostly, and then eventually they showed it. But yeah, the panic is upsettingly underplayed. I find it's really yeah. upsetting to not see people freaking out more. But maybe it's just mm. because. Yeah. How could you possibly even begin to emotionally or reasonably react to that news mm. to the yeah. point where you would be like, okay, I guess I'll go smash things up then. But I, I feel. Like it's like I feel like I mean it I mean, just can't be a, real. They had a lot of time, didn't they? There was between mm. the thing of uh, the announcement of finding out, and yeah. then actually so there was quite longer. a big gap, so like, they could yeah. simply exist as a normal life. Mm. However, no one would have. No, yeah, it's I agree. Like, yeah. I think there human beings would have freaked out. Yeah. Have any of you read on the beach? By no. Neville Shute. No. In On the Beach by Neville Shute, they discover that, in fact, the whole world is ending because a cloud of radioactive gas is just going to kill everyone. It's going to sweep over the world and kill everyone. And what do the characters of On the Beach do? They continue to go to school. They continue to work. Because to do anything else is to acknowledge the fact that the world is just going to fucking end soon. And it's a depressingly real idea. It's this idea that people would just carry on. Because what would you otherwise do? Just sit around and cry for nine months or however long it is when they say that the asteroid's actually going to hit? Probably. Cocaine orgy? Right. The cocaine orgies were left in Michael Bay's movie. Yeah. Also, it was like, there felt like no urgency. Well, there didn't Mm. feel as much urgency because it just was like, it's going to hit in a year. A year's time has passed. I think think when it did hit, it was really, had no impact, hilariously. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it, it impacted the earth and I didn't care. Just like um, a wave. It was kind of like, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know whether I mean, that's a directing thing or whether it needed to be more. I feel like maybe <laughs> Michael Bay's like, explosions are maybe more, <laughs> more, more visceral. More suited but to this kind of more, yeah, situation. Yeah, what I would have expected. But, but this was trying to be a different kind of disaster movie. It was trying mm. to be one where it would play purely off of the tension. And I'm thinking of movies like The Two Towers here, where it will diminish, diminish action elsewhere in order to build 
throughout to one big moment. And when the wave actually hits, I thought those effects held up pretty good. We'll come to disaster sequences later, but oh, sorry. the way that the way that the sort of wave just crashes and pours through the buildings, I thought looked pretty good compared to the sort of some of the slightly awkward um, building manipulation that happens in Armageddon. It was the one that made me think, what would I do? But I just don't I thought- think that characters were established enough. I don't think you care enough. Yeah, but that is not. And let me just put it this way: that was not for lack of trying. That's true. True. They yeah, definitely yeah, they wanted tried, to do that. Tried. That they was not. It. That was yeah. not a priority for Bay, whose clear priorities were the explosions in space. Yeah. Here, mm. the intention was we will build these characters, maybe unsuccessfully, but that was mm. the plan, and that is a plan that I find yes, a lot more admirable. Yeah. Your two-minute rebuttal starts now. Okay. So uh, to begin with, talking of sets. Yes, the uh, sets in Armageddon on the meteor did feel like being on a soundstage, but I would contend that the set that the astronauts were on in Deep Impact felt like being on the set of a kids' game show from the 90s. (laughs) What are they saving the world for in Armageddon? If we're only focusing on the astronauts, it's the love and fear and petty arguments and everything that makes up life within these astronauts' goings on, within their daily lives. They are a microcosm for the rest of the world. So if we don't see the rest of the world, it is not to the film's detriment. Okay, as for real or unreal, uh, and what is believable or not, I will tackle this in a later category. Um, I will just uh, finish the rebuttal with what my learned friend said about Deep Impact trying to be a good disaster movie. And good intentions are all well and good, but when you have the finished product that is Deep Impact, I don't think so. (laughs) So on on with my direction defense of Armageddon. Armageddon and Deep Impact come out at two opposite ends of the 90s spectrum. Armageddon is the overblown behemoth and Deep Impact the kind of sedated political kind of thriller like City Hall that has a good idea and a decent cast, but it just doesn't seem to be well explored or take place in the real world. It takes place in the 90s. It's an interesting concept, but everything was so distant, so forgettable. This is Mimi Leder all over, director of such classics as Thick as Thieves, The Innocent and Baby Brokers, Basically a gamut of made-for-TV movies, which is how Deep Impact feels. The staid camera work and the wafer-thin characters and motivations. Who could forget Taylor Leone's What's-Her-Face? Morgan Freeman's <laughs> Mr. President Guy and the asteroid played in this film by Kevin Costner. <laughs> let's, let's also not forget Pay It Forward, another film with real heart and a great idea that was squished through the, cla- the cracks of cliché where it seeps out the other side a grey, gooey mess of nothingness. <laughs> another completely forgettable film with an admittedly fantastic Thomas Newman soundtrack. You will no doubt hear from my learned friend that Michael Bay is a hack, that his action is the wrong side of pornographic and that the camera moves in such a way as to give the viewer vertigo or a deep soul sickness. And I agree to all of those things, but Armageddon embraces it and it gets something very special out of it. We begin with the inciting incident. Strands from a comet rip through a space station and fall on New York. A meteor the size of Texas will destroy all life on the planet. The ticking clock is set in motion. The riggers have to train in the shortest time possible to go into space and carry out their job. We know who they are and the kind of people they are because of the outlandish way in which Michael Bay brings his characters to life. They have an immediate time limit. There is a threat. There is peril. It is there on screen. Deep Impact, we start with this Roland Emmerich-style introduction of the ensemble cast, and then it's five months later. We're introduced to the astronauts and given a five-minute scene of them interacting before they're off into space where we're supposed to care about them. The inciting incident happens off-screen. The ticking clock is difficult to care about because there's no immediate threat and the pacing jumps ahead by days, months, without properly looking at how world events are affecting the characters. We do get plenty of character moments, though, just not the ones we want. Everything plays out at a distance. 
I don't know anything about what these characters like to do except the things that are essential to the plot. Stargazing, being a reporter, being a president. There are no intimate moments until the very end. The one good Taya Leone moment, for example. But by then it's too late. Ultimately, what didn't work for Emmerich doesn't work in Deep Impact. The characters are too simply drawn, too dull, and the story is only engaging on an academic level. I found myself wondering what on earth I would do if, uh, if I knew that an asteroid was coming to Earth to destroy all life on the planet. It's a very interesting thought. The film did not garner that in me. There's nothing visceral about it. There's nothing visceral to the point where I and everyone else who gave this a bad rate, bad rating, <laughs> sure, a bad rating or negative review, found myself yearning for destruction. Because at least then something would happen. In Armageddon, we are close. Sometimes uncomfortably close, yes. But the fear that roots these characters to the spot is palpable. It's audible. You can see it in the tiniest of moments. And why? Because director Michael Bay allowed us to get close to these characters, however unpleasant they may be. Exhibit A, the lift-off sequence in both films. In Armageddon, we are inside the cockpit with the panicking characters, the self-assured or cocky characters, the quiet characters. In Deep Impact, we're treated to a distant shot of a rocket taking off, only seeing the cockpit once they're safely in space, detaching boosters. It's just another thing that happens. It doesn't give us any insight into how anyone's feeling, and that is something that was lacking from the entirety of Deep Impact. Mm. Oh, wow. Wasn't very Michael Bay, though, wasn't yeah. it? That is yeah. the, the, the essential problem. The, yeah. the, problem, the problem is that Paul set up his opening argument of uh, Bayus. Yeah. And now I don't want to fall into Bayus. But boy, um... Michael Bay sure is just a bad director. <laughs> you're welcome You're welcome to analyse Bay film by film. And if, if you have criticisms of Armageddon, then by all means, please. Look. If... I'm open-mouthed. <laughs> I don't know, like, I did, I mean, yeah, at least stuff happened. Yeah, at least, it, you know, at least I didn't tune out and think, oh, I could be playing Mario Kart right now. Ooh, yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah. Can we go play Mario Kart? <laughs> I think we'd have all preferred to play Mario Kart over watch either of these films. But, and I don't want to be reductive, but I think you're right, at least something did happen. It, it pains me, though, that I preferred... This just bleh action yeah. and stereotypes to a film that at least tried to make me feel about something about how I'd react to a disaster. Yeah. And I did feel a bit, but I don't know why it went wrong. But Armageddon, like, I hate myself no, but for I, finding I, I, it interesting the, 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 the problem is, relatively. The problem is you're, you're, comparing two, you're comparing two bad films. If you were comparing Armageddon to something very good like will there be blood you'd be like well will there be blood is yeah. slow but interesting but, whereas okay yeah deep in fact slow and boring and bad yeah yeah it's Maybe. bad versus bad yeah it is um, the lesser of two evils we're very yeah. fortunate that we're now comparing these two films to any other film. <laughs> <laughs> direction um yeah what did I hate about the direction? I mean, lots of things. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I mean, just, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got bad performances out of 80% of his actors, but that's going back to characters. He. Mm. He just did a bog. He just did a standard film. Yeah. He just did a film. It wasn't great, but he did it. You took away. By admitting that he admitted that his editing was bad. Yeah, mm. but. You can't just. You can't back out of that. If you do a job and you think. And then afterwards, but, people say it's shit, and you go, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, I just ran out of time. Yeah. Spill a big old pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> At least he apologised and didn't, um, didn't blame William Fickner. No. Like, like other people My would. My junior leader did. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's not much to say. It there was isn't. Ma- it's it the was most Michael gen- Bay. It's the most it was generic of Hollywood yeah. action yeah. films. It's just it just mm. is. You know what was a real crime? The the writing was pretty bad as well. Yeah. And it was written by J.J. Abrams. Oh no! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Wow! <laughs> wow! Oh, <no. laughs> oh my god! Fuck this movie! <laughs> some people did some crimes on this film. Yeah. They really did. Real atrocity. Ultim- yeah. Ultimately, I think there's de- definitely more of an idea to engage with in Deep Impact, but it's mm. sometimes it is just a case of being reductive. Your two minutes starts now. Okay, so I think the thing of Michael Bay's direction is that everything that's not perfunctory, thrown in because the script demanded it in order to engage with the audience on a basic level, is then obnoxious and annoying. And, and my learned colleague points out that the characters are meant to be a microcos- microcosm for all life. I wonder which character he identified with the most, and which one <laughs> felt the most real to him. Perhaps it was Owen Wilson, the cowboy astronaut. We all know him. Or has it was Steve Buscemi, the crazy person? Or any one of the ones whose role is just to leer at strippers and make really awful jokes and say things like, this is it, isn't it? We've got a drill. The idea that bad intentions done well are better than good intentions done badly is something I really object to here. The idea of, okay, we'll make something utterly pandering, we'll make all the money we need, we'll throw in a love interest, foot to ladies, and we'll just do everything we need to in order to make people come and pay fucking money to see this. That that should be higher than a movie that tried to engage people emotionally. It's just pretty extraordinary to me. Mimi Leader also directed The Peacemaker, which is an underseen and rather excellent action movie from the 90s starring George Clooney and Nicole Kidman, a female character who, again, was not just expected to be a love interest. He mentioned that my asteroid would be played by, um, who was it now? Kevin Costner. Costner. Who would play the asteroid in Armageddon, I wonder? Only surely an incredibly morbidly obese person who just groans and gets sweaty. (laughs) <laughs> we're told that yes the action sequences are sickening but that we should just run with that they but Michael Bay had the bravery to get down with that sickness and just run with it <laughs> and that's something admirable the idea that he just lent into the nauseating and therefore triumphs perhaps and the time frame is just completely unrealistic <laughs> those 10 days that ticking clock it's a real uh, sorry I'm trying to make an argument shut, about a ticking clock shut, shut, shut your dirty mouth hole you run out of time it's garbage <laughs> it's garbage I say <laughs> oh fuck yeah the ticking clock is 18 days not 10 days fine very different <laughs> oh well and, okay and well, I do believe that the it. Armageddon asteroid would be played by Daddy Aerosmith oh <laughs> oh my god how complicated I wrote down Jason Statham <laughs> Sure, yeah. Jason Statham he could be hurling through space to bring an end to life on Earth. All the people stare up in awe as his face looms into the sky. I do want to know. I do want to know which astronaut you would identify with most. Yes, please tell. I would probably identify the most with the estranged father for having lots of regret and things things done done wrong and not not concluded. Like trying to defend Armageddon. Now, <laughs> ben. Ben. <laughs> now on the topic of direction, I would like to hear. No, we from... just did that. No, we did do that, didn't we? Yeah, we're on science now. Science <laughs> <laughs> films. They just keep going. Uh, before we begin, I would like to make the point that me and my learned colleague have both conceded that the chances of civilians seeing the asteroid and no one else doing so is highly unrealistic in both films, and so we're going to leave that on the table. Mm. That is off the right. table. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna take it off the table, put it in a bag. Yeah. Put that bag outside the door. <laughs> Lovely sandwich for everyone. Um, on the topic of science, please, Mr. Salt. Hello there. 
So I just <laughs> there is no, I actually there wrote is. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. That is as much science as okay. there is. So most scientists agree that the suicide mission at the end of the movie probably would not work. After all, they've already tried some nukes on the asteroid. It didn't work. And so the solution is more nukes and a rocket and Robert Duvall and the sheer force of Robert Duvall on the rocket will vaporize it. That probably wouldn't work. It's far more important here as a gesture than an accurate solution. Brave, terrified people making the ultimate sacrifice to save the world for everyone else. Aside from that, the film pretty much gets the science right. The tidal wave... Um, though scientists suggest it would actually be more severe and would come in several waves, would be a realistic impact, deep impact, uh, of the asteroid. Um, The description of the event and the process is accurate. And what's more, the presidential broadcasts have actually been described by people studying White House um, etiquette as fairly realistic as a means of trying to keep people under control. Um, and public reactions to it have been um, described by sociologists as being fairly realistic. I do love realism in my disaster films. That's the thing. <laughs> That's what gets me going. This can't be characterized as a disaster film. It's a human drama. Okay. The initial failed nukes are also accurate. Now, on the other hand, NASA insisted that Michael Bay include a credit in the closing sequences of Armageddon disclaiming that NASA's participation in making the movie is in no way an endorsement of the factual inaccuracies of the film. They demanded that. Firstly, they underestimate the impact. A comet the size of Texas would destroy the world instantly. So all the talk about nuclear winter and people freezing to death, not really relevant. It's the size of Texas. Also, describing a three-dimensional object as being the size of a two-dimensional space like Texas isn't that helpful. That's why my excellent president says it's the size of Mount Everest. The idea of a a shower of tiny asteroids ahead of the big main guy, the big main Jason Statham, (laughs) is somewhat problematic. Um, It wouldn't work that way. They would trail behind the asteroid. As is the idea that they would land um, mainly on land, let alone national landmarks. Uh, We also have fire in space, lift in space, steering in space. There's no sign of any kind of vacuum or weightlessness until the pilot, the plot needs there to be, until a character needs to heroically spiral off into space. But my favorite thing that I read in, in my preparation for this was, in the scene where people are celebrating all over the world, seems to be daylight everywhere. It would be dark, <laughs> or near dark, in at least some of these places. Point of order, the sun exists, and sometimes goes on the other side of the planet. Objection, sun doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sustained. Sun. There is no sun. Ben Affleck. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> now, and truth that. And now, no I, and now I can't read my notes. Ben Affleck. <laughs> Ben Affleck at one point asked Michael Bay why it would be easier to train drillers to be astronauts than train astronauts to be drillers. And he told him to shut the fuck up. The spirit of the film. Deep Impact takes a serious look at the dangers that a comet would pose to a planet and its population and the emotional impact that would have. And it uses real science to carry that heft. Thank you. did feel more accurate. Yes. But accurate... I mean, since when have you ever got off on accurate? Again, it's about Ooh, getting off here. <laughs> Mimi Leader doesn't want to get you off. He doesn't want to make you jizz into your. She doesn't want to make you jizz into your pants like Michael Bay definitely wanted you to do, oh, even if it involved putting yes. you into an epileptic shock to do so. Yeah, no, it was. she wanted to just get you to feel for it. That is the intention here, mm-hmm. and using real science, even boring science, definite points makes it feel real. Yeah, mm-hmm. do appreciate that. I mean, I appreciate not chasing in my pants. <laughs> oh no, I never said that. <laughs> if you're watching a film about the end of the world, you're not looking for the scientific accuracies. No, 
No. You're, not, you're not Neil deGrasse Tyson no. critiquing The Force Awakens. <laughs> oh, the Millennium Falcon wouldn't do that. The thing is, it's also not my area of expertise. If I knew something yeah, about science, true. I would probably hate it's it true. so yeah. much. But it's not there necessarily to dwell upon. Because indeed, it's it's described in a few scenes. It's more there just to lend a sense of realism. Just an, an overall sense of, mm. yeah, this could really happen. And I really feel that Armageddon pushes against um, credibility when it starts to come down to things like training a crew of drillmen to be astronauts <laughs> in how many days? Mm, 11, I think, before they fly. Yeah, 11 yeah, days. It's just highly improbable. <laughs> yeah. Allow, allow me to... Well, yeah, your two-minute rebuttal on science starts now. Accurate cunnilingus is way better than arbitrary. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, <sighs> You know, accuracy does have a place. Um, and yes, Deep Impact may have had a realistic presidential address. Not a realistic performance, though, from a human. Finally, yes, it is unrealistic that the drill boys were expected to go up into space after 11 days, but everyone underestimated them. That was part of the plot. My learned friend would have you believe that scientific verisimilitude is essential to the quality or enjoyment of a film. I would say there is nothing further from the truth. Case in point, honey, I shrunk the kids. <laughs> the Matrix, sunshine, or indeed any time we hear an explosion in space. It is a science fiction film and the key word here is fiction. And yes, I'm being blunt, but bear with me. Other films play with the concept and set rules within that concept, such as The Matrix. This movie merely plays with the science and shapes the concept around that. There's nothing wrong with the fact that all forms of science here are as thinly spread as the characters in Deep Impact. In Armageddon, the science allows us to ping around a moon, hot wheel buggies around an asteroid hurtling through space, and fire space machine guns at a spaceship wall before detonating a nuke in an asteroid and saving the world so that Ben Affleck can go and have forever sex with Liv Tyler. Do I want to see explosions in space? Yes. Do I want to see icicles hanging from the roof of a spaceship where there's no gravity? Obviously. Do I want the humans to save the world with a nuclear weapon? How could I not? As it is, for all its facts, Deep Impact would have worked better as a documentary. It certainly felt like one. Ultimately, this is an argument for emotion over detachment. Do you want a film that follows all the rules but grinds the point into the dirt until it becomes unrecognisable and completely unenjoyable? Or a film that bends the rules and has some fun with the concept, like Armageddon did? Pretty, pretty convincing. Space, yeah. <laughs> Explosion I mean, in space like is a, a good point. I, I do like it in uh, Firefly. When there's an explosion and there's no And sound. there's no, yes, yeah, that is that yeah, is very good. It is nice. It is nice when that you... It's like watching Interstellar and afterwards they're like, it helped us learn more about black holes. I was like, that makes me like the film even more. Mm-hmm. I, it would have been nice if they had at least made it... I don't think it would have hurt the film at all or it's fun to have made it a little more accurate. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, again, I didn't care that much. <laughs> yeah, the problem mm. is... Mm. I didn't care. Mm. Yeah. I, w- I will say it's all it's all well and good for Firefly and Interstellar um, having scientific accuracy and being very very good pieces of art. Um, Deep Impact is not included in that. I don't That's think true. There, true. There, there, there is there is a way of being accurate and mm. making it a good film. There is also a way of being inaccurate and it not being too much of an issue. Again, maybe there is, we're not maybe scientists. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe there is gravity. Maybe yeah. space machine guns. I mean, are fine. there'll be some gravity. Yeah. Is it is it a space body? Short I enjoyed the drilling. Country. I, I did too. I did too. No, I enjoyed You know what? I watched Armageddon first, and then mm. the next week came around. I was like, because I read the plot synopsis for them both. I was like, oh yeah, it's like the same thing. They both have to go off and drill it. 
And then the drilling in Deep Impact was, I find myself wanting drilling. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. (laughs) I really craved a good drilling. (laughs) So let's let's isolate that audio file. Um... (laughs) (laughs) At least Michael Bay gave me a good drilling. Oh, even better. (laughs) Um, I mean, it was completely, completely ridiculous. But, you know, I'm I'm a fan of ridiculous sometimes. Yeah. Mm. All right, your two-minute rebuttal starts when I set the timer. <laughs> in Will you that, tell me when that is? That happens now. Okay. So I think, really, in justifying why this round exists, it's all about... Uh, I think the science is revealing of purpose. Okay, if the purpose is to have a big space adventure with lots of explosions and annoying things, then, yes, scientific ac- accuracy takes a back seat. However, if the intention is to have a serious movie that really explores some of these concepts, then, yes, the science matters because you're asking people to suspend disbelief in a different way. Mine shows severity. And as for the idea of favouring emotion over detachment, I really feel like we're not correctly identifying the emotion of deep impact here. It's a different kind. It's less gaudy. It is less about drilling into your face and various other parts of you. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's less intrusive and weird and obnoxious. Yeah, it's not, and as for favouring the idea of ridiculous, is this fun ridiculous? <laughs> is it ridiculous in an entertaining or amusing way? Is it? <laughs> I was annoyed by it at every turn. You're Right, you're overestimating, overestimating, overestimating my power. <laughs> you're overestimating me as a human being. I'm, I'm a shaven ape. I like things to explode in my well, face. Well, on that note about evolution, oh, no. let's bring this. Oh my god, this is the worst. Oh boy. <laughs> I like to be drilled hard. And, and have things explode, explode in your face. face. You are Michael Bay's audience. I am. Right. <laughs> Finally... I would like to hear Mr. Justice Councillor Salt speak (laughs) on the topic of disaster, forward slash action scenes. (laughs) Thank you, your overwhelmingness. (laughs) Also, wait, that one could be. Yeah, (laughs) sorry, things calling you fat. Jesus. Deep Impact does not begin with a comet tearing through New York City trying to, uh, in order to kill a fat man. <laughs> it does not have a scene where Paris is casually wiped off the map with no impact whatsoever. Nor does it have a genuinely headache-inducing sequence set in space where flashing lights, fast editing, and a camera attached to a pogo stick gaffer taped to a rollerblade make it impossible to see what the hell is going on. Deep, Deep Impact has two disaster sequences. Three if you count the car crash at the beginning. You probably won. Four if you count James Cromwell getting off a boat, which fucking thrilled me to my core. <laughs> I was actually achieved using entirely practical effects, I might add. <laughs> the attempt to push the comet off course fails part, uh, part way into the film. It's a fairly crudely, crudely shot sequence, but there are moments of danger and threat that really grip me far more than anything Bay ejaculated towards me. The scene where Ron Eldar is blinded by the sun is really upsetting. His face boils and blisters and he screams helplessly as the vacuum of space beckons. Speaking of which, Jon Favreau's Gus is lost to space gone forever there's brief perfunctory talk of trying to pick him up but this isn't an action movie and that's just not possible and everyone knows it so he probably suffocated to death hours later when his oxygen was finally exhausted then near the end of the film one of the meteors hits the earth it lands in the sea and a mega tsunami sweeps across the land causing ripples in the clouds and the water beneath it it strikes and causes a blinding crash and a terrifying mushroom cloud that rises into the sky 
by reducing the number of elements, by not having various effects fly off into various directions, the effects have actually dated better than the Bayhem Heavy Armageddon. The shot is an aerial the shot of an aerial shot of water flowing between the skyscrapers, filling it up like some sort of pool. What's more, the wave mowing down people is really quite gripping, I find. And it spends the whole movie building up towards it, as opposed to just shitting it out at you at every opportunity. The end. Hmm. I will say that both films had destruction of the Twin Towers in, which, as a concept, hasn't aged well. No. <laughs> I no. don't feel it's fair to hold that against us. No. I don't think it was a conscious decision <laughs> by Michael Bay or Mimi Lender to they were make reference to that. iconic buildings and the iconic city yeah, of, of the New iconic York. country. Well, it's always yeah. America that's going to get destroyed, yeah. isn't it? Oh, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it it's really, yeah. No, no, no. You can't destroy America. That would be dangerous. You have to destroy Paris, that's which no one true. gives a fuck yeah, about. Yeah. Paris. Oh, true. Yeah. No one lives in Paris mm. anyway. No, no, no one. It's an awful no. country full of terrible people. Not America, land of the free. There goes your French audience. (laughs) (laughs) This goes Michael Uh, Bay's French audience. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't enjoy the camera. I couldn't see all the people who were dead. I couldn't even work out who they were unless someone said, oh, it's Owen Wilson. It's Billy Bob Thornton. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Mm. Um, Mm. I did. I did like the wave. Mm. I did quite like the wave. It's frightening. Mm. I like the wave because it took out Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> what a heroic wave! <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that wave I was mean... the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the most human character. That was it. <laughs> I just wish they'd had more disaster scenes. I know you keep saying it's not an, a disaster movie, but it mm. is a disaster movie because it's a movie about the asteroid hitting the Earth. <laughs> it's a disaster film. I wish, wish they put all these action sequences together and cut out the bits in the middle <laughs> a bit or could have been 12 better. minutes long or, yeah it didn't need to they weren't as offensive no. as the other ones the other ones are quite offensive I mean in Armageddon yeah there's just no tact whatsoever mm. in Armageddon it's, it's yeah. They, yeah. you can already see how Transformers yeah. is going yeah. to be you can see the start yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's unearned <laughs> and it's weightless as well ironically yeah. but not in a good way for space Mm. Yeah. <laughs> when the Chrysler building mm. just flops over and falls in half, there's no feeling of, oh wow, a building falling over. You know, it's just yeah. gone mm. an instant. It is very, yeah, you are kind of detached from it. You're watching mm. it all happen, but you don't really yeah. care. <laughs> Whereas the scene, the scene, the scene that stuck with me, with me the one of the wave coming up mm. and smushing all the cars all out the of the cars, way and all yeah. the people. Yeah. Mm. I kind of like the moment where what's his face that you're. Richard, no. No, the other one. Ah. There is the moment, though. There is the moment where Richard Schiff and his wife are embracing as everyone else panics and runs around them and just trying. No, that's not Richard Schiff. Richard Schiff's the dad, right? Sarah's parents. Leo. Sorry? Oh, you don't even know who Richard Schiff is. I don't know who Richard Schiff is. I thought he was Leo... Oh, no, he's Elijah Wood's dad. That's right. Sorry, yes. The scene where Lily Sobieski's parents embrace as everyone else rushes past. As the wave goes. Everyone doesn't know who Richard Schiff is, you bastard. You think you're talking about a pretzel? That was good. That was was a disaster scene. Scene from the point of view of people, how you would be if you were stuck there. Mm. Would you run panicking from a way you're never going to outrun? Or would you you just stand there and stare into exactly the the eyes? Yeah, Mm. I kind of like. And they did that with both the wave hitting because then she had Mm. her moment with her dad. 
Those yeah. are the two bits that I actually remembered from it. So yeah, I did yeah. kind of like those. I did make the. I can't remember how the disaster scenes went in Armageddon, except for oh the fat guy getting squished by the asteroid at the start after you've had the like monologuing black yeah. guy, which was a devastatingly yeah. emotional moment. Yeah. Uh, I will yeah. concede. And the little dog. I yeah. mean, it just came at it from a completely different angle. It did comedy action rather yeah. than. Mm. And don't take this out of context, but that dog definitely should have died. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it should have. If Deep Impact had just, if they'd just not let Elijah Wood live that would have been oh yeah like, <laughs> I know that great. sounds awful but imagine how dramatic that would have been you think that you, everyone assumes that these two are going to make god damn it the only baby. characters they let live <laughs> like if the wave had just been like no let's just suck them in it would be, yeah, that wow. would have been really good <laughs> yeah like, just, just that could have been I swear they could have with climbed a, a mountain yeah with a baby because it would have been just like oh man yeah. oh god yeah. god damn it they, this movie let three people live and you yeah, object just, to two of them. No, but I don't. It's not even that it, I dislike the characters. But yeah. It just would have been so dramatic. I mean, yeah. I was hugely surprised by Taylor Leone and her dad dying. Like that. Real. I really mm. just thought, okay, some, Robert Duvall is going to do another thing. Yeah. It's going to be like, oh wait a minute, we can we yeah, can solve yeah, the rest yeah. to, to wipe out most of its cast is a fairly ambitious move. Your time for your two minute rebuttal starts now. First off, um, the action scenes blend practical and computer-generated effects. Yes, a lot of it does feel weightless and silly with, this, with the CGI, but um, I thought the destruction of New York did feel, feel quite weighty at ground level with uh, the cars jumping off one. Um, I did think it brought a bit of heft in it. And yes, it can feel a little uh, cold and clinical and, un- and unnecessary, but I think when you think about what happens in name, the destruction of Paris, it's shocking to see a whole city destroyed from a distance you don't you don't see how it affects these people this is a, a city that is just going about life when the, the comet finally hits the entirety of the city layer after layer is pulverized and it's, it is shocking it's clinical and it's cold but it's shocking because of that also i think everyone can be glad for a time when not even michael bay felt the need to pander to china and uh, was quite happy to wipe shanghai <laughs> off the map <laughs> As this is Bay, the action is inherently non-stop. Even when asteroids aren't demolishing whole cities, the camera spins and swirls and the characters can't resist climbing up on a table and pulling down their pants to surprise us with an ass. <laughs> Bruce Willis might just pick up a shotgun and go after Ben Affleck uh, for sleeping with his daughter. You might get a spanner fight around a nuclear weapon, but it's all very personal and with, with immediate consequences you can understand. Even when the asteroid fragments plummet to Earth, it affects our heroes and their mission first and foremost and shapes their involvement for the rest of the film. It ups the peril. Deep Impact has two action scenes. The failed mission and the ELE, the uh, extinction level event. So I'm not sure if we cleared no. that at the beginning. No. I would not lower myself to misleading the jury into thinking that the action was a point of this film. It is basically the opposite of Armageddon. But with nothing human for me to hang my hat on, we need to look at the action as action. Okay, I thought you were going to object. <laughs> <laughs> I was... <laughs> um, the first has serious consequences for Earth. It's going, it's going to end it for a lot of people. But it's difficult to properly gauge the intensity of the threat in a cinematic sense because the timeline keeps jumping forward without letting us get to know the characters. Uh, one spaceman goes blind. Okay. A couple die. Who? The extinction level event. Again, so distant, so detached that the waves take out cities in a yawn. The aim of this, of course, was to show how powerless we are in the face of a natural disaster. But that wasn't what I took away from it. I was told to expect Elijah Wood on a motorbike outrunning a tidal wave. I was told it was going to be ludicrous. But it wasn't. It was just one more blank. It wasn't outrunning because as far as I could tell, they weren't within a mile of one another until he was already already safe. So we get down to the emotional point of this. He comes back for Lily Sobieski. She leaves her parents 
fine. Did I care about the characters by this stage? No, because they hadn't been explored. They were so everything was so distant. Okay. Mm. I won't stand for the Paris justification. The Paris scene is bad. The Paris scene is bad. Like, they didn't even bother being like, oh, look, here are some people buying baguettes. No, they, 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 did, they did that in <laughs> Shanghai. They were like, look, it's some Chinese stereotypes. There were a few <laughs> scenes of people running away from the initial fragments looking all scared. So we had the, hum- the human level of it, and then we had the full city destruction, all of yeah. that gone. It did keep doing that in se- an instant. That sequence where it was like, we'll just hop around the world and do a few countries of people yeah. sitting around a TV mm. or whatever. Do you live here? Mm. You'd be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Do you live and it just was like, here's the States. And everyone else. Yeah. They're all going to die, let's face it. Mm. Oh, so how did you feel about the Russian space station The sequence? worst. I mean, yeah. not even not, not even bad. Peter Stomer could make that scene watchable. <laughs> yeah. Who's that? The Russian. Oh, the Russian. Yeah. 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 Russian. He was fun. He was a horrendous was stereotype. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Was but that is <laughs> that Peter Stomer. Insert that back under uh, characters. <laughs> I did enjoy him. Yeah. He was good. He yeah. was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, gosh, that scene was just a hot mess. I don't oh, I don't even think horrendous. I clocked why it started blowing up in the no, first place. yeah. It was like, oh, Ben's done something wrong. <laughs> yeah, probably. Has he? Yeah. Oh, it's just blowing up now. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I think it was because script. But yeah. Um, yeah. if you can think of a better way of getting Peter Stormare onto your astronaut team, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> Could have been, and there are none. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been a coal miner. Could have been one of the diggers, even. Yeah, they were coal miners. They could have been a helpful astronaut who yeah. helped them because they were complete incompetence. Mm. Mm. Like they would have died without him. Yeah, I suppose he could I have mean, been the Russian that was uh, on the deep impact team immediately. Yes. But it was fun kind of... We almost yeah. worked together, you see. Yeah. Mm. It was quite fun mm. going out to space and finding this wacko yeah. in space stuck on his own. I quite like that idea. Yes, yeah. <laughs> He'd just be completely abrasive. But yeah, yeah no, back to the disaster action sequences. Just it was all my... Oh, mm. I just couldn't see anything. I couldn't work out what was going on. No. There was at least mm. a lot of it. But... I quite like the action sequence. It was... It was... It was dumb as hell and it made no sense. Yeah. But the scene where they had to jump with a stupid buggy over yeah. there, oh, that was yeah, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the it worst. It didn't make much sense. It yeah, made it was, no sense. It was, Again, yeah. it's, it doesn't need to make sense. No, no. It, was pre- it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was entertaining. Mm. Their action sequences were always going to be different. Yeah. Didn't like the drilling though. Didn't like the drilling. <laughs> Did a guy did enjoy the drilling. I think it did peril well, and they were, it did the ticking clock well. That was that was it that felt, was there. It definitely felt more like they were under a time pressure. There yeah. was definite tension. Your two minute <laughs> rebuttal starts now. It's thrilling to find out that Deep Impact was the one that had the cold clinical action sequences. Mm. I thought quite the reverse. Yes, as for the action of this movie having consequences. I mean, there was a sequence in which Bruce Willis chased a man, an employee of his, around a oil rig, shooting at him with a shotgun. And then the impact of that. Oh, it, none. <laughs> Nothing happened. Most of the action comes and goes. A space station is destroyed. Um, one of the shuttles is blown up and completely just ruined. And the plot just keeps moving on. There is very little impact to any of all of this. As for the characters, we've come once again back to characters. And would we have been served? Would you have been more torn up about John Favreau spiraling into space if you had seen a sequence where he shoves dollar bills into the fong of a stripper? <laughs> would that have really gotten you there? Or if you had seen him chase someone else around with a rig of a shotgun. And finally, I would just like to say that the action, it just, it, this is a very sincere thing for me. The way he shoots action really does bother me and upsets me. And I, I, it's against so much of what I think good action is, of sort of stationary cameras or sort of 
pulling back a little bit just to let things unfold and affect characters. Uh, you know, close cutting and like jump, 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 manipulative action, flashing, CGI that you just can't relate to. It, it, I really find it harmful. And I think it's actually done a lot of damage to mainstream Hollywood and action cinema in general. And I think Bay and Joey Brockheimer, the producer of this film, were one of the um, propagators of this. And the success of Armageddon, one of the things that led to this becoming the most popular form of action in action movies. And I think that's to a real detriment. I think that's all I have to say about action. Can I just say, uh, please strike the fact that he is upset by this from the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your, your emotions mean nothing to us. Yeah. We are cold cyborgs. Facts are facts. Quick fire. Okay. Um, Robert Duvall's character name was Spurgeon Tanner. Fuck yes. <laughs> um, there is a spirit of coming together and people sort of trying to get together to solve a huge problem, whereas Michael Bay still finds time to take swipes at people he doesn't like, like Greenpeace and women and human beings. <laughs> um, Armageddon just has these American flags billowing in the background of every sequence and it's really quite obnoxious. Finally, I'd just like to say Armageddon had nine screenwriters, all hacks. They write lines like, <laughs> I wanted to. Oh God! Did I put an opinion in this? No. <laughs> they write lines like, "I just wanted to say that I'm sorry," and "We're not leaving him behind," and "It's gonna blow," which gets said four times in the film. Oh, wow. Deep Impact had two: the guy who wrote the player and the guy who wrote Jacob's Ladder. Two guys who are better at concepts than they are at characters, perhaps but two writers with a very specific sense of style who brought themselves into the film. I wonder if there's any piece of any one of the nine writers that this film had in Armageddon. I think that's what's my misc. Quickfire, again. I think Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing is an iconic (laughs) movie song from the 90s. (laughs) I think it's perfect for the film and uh, perfect for Liv Liv Tyler's face. Music for the rest of the film is typical Bay over emotional war music, but in this movie it works. It's the greatest war humanity has ever fought, and it's in this uh, team of right old roughnecks. Um, the music for Deep Impact was whimsical, Tim Burton-esque stuff. I couldn't have been the only one suffering from the cognitive dissonance this brought up. Why not have a dark and brooding soundtrack that would have tapped into these characters and what they were going through deep down in the face of extinction? Not a Home Alone-style wonderment at the, the joy of the world. ELE Ellie is a terrible code word, seeing as it's just the acronym for extinction-level event that even <laughs> Taya Leone could find out. <laughs> she, she was an investigative journalist. <laughs> she was doing yes, her job. She used it with computer. <laughs> she did. With such <laughs> lines... Such lines from her two writers as <laughs> Steve Buscemi's performance as a genius who developed space madness and mission efforts peak and riding a nuclear missile would not have been out of place in Fargo. Had it been <laughs> Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Steve Buscemi's role in Fargo. This is or Steve Buscemi in any Steve Buscemi role. Baffleck's smart Alec Cree reminded me of his excellent Goodwill Hunting performance and the coterie of roughnecks that made up Harry's crack drill team are reminiscent of the good for nothing heroes in Magnificent Seven. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can I say that my favourite thing from Deep Impact was mm. seeing someone use a floppy disk? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, I should have included that in scientific accuracy. Her, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watching her do her search on the computer and like, whoa, that's what computers used to look I know. like. I Absolutely, that yeah. was right. The floppy disk, the old school computer. <laughs> I loved that. Great. It has a real sense of time and place. We shall now hear closing arguments from our two esteemed counsellors. Please, 
Mr. Salt. Thank you, your Jen. <laughs> My Jen. Your Jen. You are Jen. <laughs> you Jen. Me speak. Um, <laughs> me Talkman. I think, for me, the only real weakness of Deep Impact is that they didn't have the guts to go full-on melancholia and destroy the entire world at the end. Most films don't, though. Most films will pull a Duval Ex Machina out of their asses at the last minute because you want people to leave feeling hopeful. And I did. I left Deep Impact feeling hopeful. And this is by far the least conventionally Hollywood film of the two, killing off most of its characters. It tried to go deeper. Armageddon. Armageddon? Armageddon out of here. Armageddon didn't try anything. It was put together by a formula. Nine Hollywood mathematicians trying to appeal to the highest number of people as possible. Deep Impact asks a question. If the world were coming to an end, would we lose our humanity? Would we all become like Michael Bay characters? Hideous facsimiles of actual people? Or would we coldly work out who lives and who dies? Would we riot? Would we just carry on as normal? Or would we risk everything, and even throw it all away, for a shot at reconciliation with the ones we love? To correct some of our mistakes? Armageddon had the bigger budget, and the bigger soundtrack, and the bigger cast, and the bigger asteroid. Bigger doesn't always mean better. Vote for effort. Vote for heart. Vote for ambition and storytelling. Don't vote for Armageddon. In conclusion, I'd just like to say thank you. What have you done with your hair? (laughs) (laughs) I'd now like to hear from Mr. Goodman. Thank you very much. I've always liked your hair. (laughs) Even before I changed it. (laughs) I have a question for you. Who remembers Deep Impact? Who remembers anything about it, aside from the fact that it is duller than an English river? I know I don't. It's almost as if Mimi Leda gave herself an existential crisis and decided to make the film as meaningless as all life would indeed be if an asteroid eradicated life on Earth. In this scenario, I think the survivors would envy the dead. It is inoffensive, true, but so is white rice when it's boiled down to a phlegmy stodge, and few people would choose it over pizza. It's easily forgotten, doomed to spend the rest of its days at the bottom of a bargain bin, in a poundland in a depressed provincial town. No one remembers Deep Impact. Who remembers Armageddon? I remember Armageddon. You all remembered Armageddon. My learned friend certainly remembers Armageddon. I remember the explosions in space. I remember making the walls of a spaceship explode with a minigun. I remember the spanner fight around a nuclear device. And I remember Steve Buscemi riding that same nuclear device like a Bronco as space dementia takes control of his genius brain. I remember Aerosmiths don't want to miss a thing. For all its flaws, which my learned friend has strived to point out to you today, who remembers anything about Deep Impact except the impact? And even then it's with a sigh. Deep Impact will go down in history as it has until now, like a balloon farting into nothingness and out of sight. Armageddon stays in the room like a horrible cake that your uncle baked when very drunk on a cold winter's night. It kind of tastes like curry, but there are strawberries in there. And you know what? It'll get you through the night. So why not have a slice? Where Deep Impact left me feeling cold, Armageddon made me laugh and it made me feel something for humanity as they face the apocalypse stoically in sacrifice. Their quiet moments, the perfect counterpoint to their destructive human behavior until then which was only curtailed when the asteroid itself threatened a a destruction even greater, even noisier than humans themselves. Yes, in this film, the asteroid was Bayhem, and our heroes were a remedy to all that was loud and in your face, in life and death, and I implore you to remember this when you pass judgement today. Thank you. Um, Can I please ask the two councillors to leave the imaginary courtroom (laughs) whilst the jury conducts its deliberations? 
Which one did you like better? Uh, well, here, here was the problem going in. I hated them both. Yeah, that is a fundamental problem. So, but at least they started on a fair footing. Yeah. I don't know if any of the actual arguments swayed me particularly. It it did make me realise... <laughs> no. I'm so glad you spent two hours doing it. <laughs> it did make me realise they are fundamentally not... The, even though they've got the yeah. same plot, they are really not the same film. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah they, you can't judge them as... No. Matching films. I know this is the whole point of this. Yeah. Now, are you, you actually made me appreciate Dimple... 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 Goodman really made me appreciate the action of Armageddon. Mm. Which I think I just completely glossed over as a bonus when I watched it. A bonus? Is <laughs> anything a bonus in this? The ending was a bonus. Yeah. It ended. Yeah, no, I did I did gain a new appreciation for Deep Impact and what she was trying to do. Mm. Um, however. However. <laughs> it's like, it's all well and good trying to do something. If you don't succeed, you just can't polish you a can't, turd. No. <laughs> I appreciate the trying, but... Uh, this, yeah, the the concept was there. I wish, yeah, I do wish you'd gone all out with it and it had been a completely different film and not at all a, d- a disaster film. The picture on the cover of the of the DVD makes it look like a disaster film, so yeah. you've got to judge it yeah. as a disaster film. Yeah. And it was a bad disaster film yeah. because it was boring. <laughs> so yeah. boring. Those speeches. The endless speeches. When that film began, I thought the pacing was interesting that we didn't get to talk about the rocket for like a good, oh no, the asteroid for like 30 minutes. I was like, this is interesting. Mm. And then that pace continued. (laughs) (laughs) So based on the categories they gave us. Mm. Okay, yeah, who who do we think won? Characters and performances. Um... Kind of goes to Armageddon. I think Armageddon. Yeah. Because they were Unfortunately, horrific for... stereotypes a lot of the time. Yeah. And yes. real, like, they were awful. Real cartoonish caricature characters. Obnoxious, horrible but, people. But. They weren't. But they, they were, were memorable. Yeah. They were memorable. That's the point. At least I, I remember some of them. Yeah. And they didn't underutilise Richard Schiff. <laughs> Which is what really matters. Yeah. To me. Direction. Can neither of them win? Like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. They were both bad. One was one was um, offensive and one was boring. So. Yeah. You just summarise this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> In short, science. science. Well, if we're going, we're going on technical, factual, technical, accuracy. Yeah. Well, there's a clear winner. But, but, but I'd say I'd say that but, the boys argued, or at least one of them argued, that science isn't necessary for our enjoyment of the film. Yes. So yes. The category isn't was the science good. It's was the science necessary. Yeah. Armageddon's non-science is better than Deep Impact's boring yeah. science. It's like, you've gone to the cinema for entertainment. Would you like to read a textbook or have me shout facts about the Earth being flat at you? <laughs> Which is going to be more entertaining. Are we Are we also positing that Michael Bay's a flat earther here? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's with me. There's no sun and the Earth mm. is flat. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah so I th- Arma- it's, I'm afraid Armadon it is going to have to go to Armage- Armageddon. And you did like the drilling. I did like the drilling. (laughs) They went, I mean, they did it in enough detail. They also said they were going to about 100 feet. Yeah, 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 oh my yeah, god, and they were to 800. Like that kind of feet. felt more realistic. It was like, no wonder you have Well, I mean, work. they were drilling through Jason Satham as opposed to <laughs> Kevin Costner. Yeah. I don't know whether that makes a difference. <laughs> um, okay, uh, disaster action sequences. One had them, lots of. But you very much enjoyed the deep yeah, impacts more they than were the less, they, they just hurt a bit less. Mm. Yeah. And they, they did have more impact 
as a disaster sequence on how I would... Because mm. that's what I don't like about disaster films is when they make me feel a bit nervous about what will happen yeah. when this actually does... Because, of course, an asteroid is going to destroy the Earth in about five years. Yeah. yeah. And how I'm going to respond to that. <laughs> so this did that. I mean, as, an act- as a disaster thing, it made me feel... Yeah. It and I think it helped having the... Although I hated all of them, they at least were human beings. Yeah, and I, I think the main, the the, her, the girl's parents, Sarah, her parents, I think having that as part of the disaster action yeah. scene, that was quite good. Yeah. So we're going to give this. That gives I, it an I, I would give this sudden impact. Sudden, okay, sudden impact on that one. That's strange. I didn't realise that was in on the running, but, uh, but it's okay. not. It's fine. And so, final verdict... I'm afraid it is unanimous. <laughs> Shall we call the counsellors back in yes. so that they can find out our mystery verdict? Please return to the chamber. So that's when I said, That's my sandwich, asshole! What's taking me the sandwiches? Oh, God. Oh, anyway, hi, guys. Hi. Oh, hi, guys. Hi. Oh, hi. Um, hi. I'm pleased to inform you that we have reached a verdict and it was unanimous. Mm. Um, after much deliberation, we concluded that although both films are a big old pile of garbage, <laughs> if we had to pick one at gunpoint, please put the gun down. Oh God, I have a family. <laughs> it would be... Ugh. Armageddon. Armageddon. Well, congratulations, Paul. Well played, sir. So I take that, and I can see that my uh, colleague argued his case very well. And I, I, I do, I, I will now pass over to him because I just want to know if he's proud of himself <laughs> for having Michael Bay's Armageddon win this contest. Thank you. First off, I would like to thank everybody for coming to a decision. It wasn't an easy decision. It wasn't an easy time for any of us. I did actually think that I had it easier than my learned friend. I would like to thank my learned friend. And uh, I wish him every success for the future. I think now I've won one. I don't have to worry about winning another one. <laughs> um, <laughs> and at least my extreme social anxiety is quelled for now. Start high, it's all downhill. <laughs> yeah. But at least there was Armageddon. <laughs> and I think, sadly, yes, in this case, the, the, the tried and tested formula worked over the adventurous... Um, new idea but that isn't always the case there is hope we can rebuild after this cataclysmic event (laughs) thank you everyone stay safe stay out of the way Jason Statham and Kevin Costner (laughs) they don't mean well Um, I'd just like I'd just like to plug my podcast, the Richard Schiffcast, uh, where I appreciate the work. Dick Schiff. I call it Dick, Dick Schiff. Dick Schiff. Dick Schiff. <laughs> so if you'd like to check out yeah. Dick Schiff on iTunes, we talk about the West Wing, we talk about the Lost World, and mm-hmm. others. So <laughs> and, and I'd, others. And I'd like to plug my podcast, Deep Deep Drilling. <laughs> it's an uh, not suitable for work podcast. It will get you randy. <laughs> I'd like to plug my nothing podcast, (laughs) which is silence and occasional pig squeaks. Pig squeaks. (laughs) (laughs) Pig pig sounds to lull you into some kind of psychotic episode. (laughs) Just like these two films do. Yeah, it's very appropriate. So I'd like to thank Paul Salt. 
Thank you. Paul Goodman. Thank you. I've been David. I've been Nell. And I've been Jen. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Film Talk Combat. Film Talk But that dog definitely should have died.